Hello, and welcome back to Mama's Nightmare. Come join us as we talk about anything from moms that murder, to family murderers, kids being kidnapped and or murdered, or even being killers, which are all a mama's nightmare. I'm Rhonda. I'm Alicia, and we're a mother-daughter duo giving you our spin on these nightmares from a mom's perspective. Today, we're going to be talking about the murder of Garnet Spears. I'm Rhonda, a mother of two and a grandmother of four. I work full-time for a well-known app. I'm obsessed with true crime podcasts, shows, and documentaries. I'm Alicia, a wife and a stay-at-home mom of three who just started listening to true crime podcasts, but like watching documentaries and thrill-seeking movies with my husband. Now, I'm the one that suggested that we start a podcast since we love to discuss these nightmares, and of course, I think people need to hear our opinion on them. For today's nightmare, we're going to continue the discussion about the terrible murder of five-year-old Garnet Spears. Trigger warnings for this episode include torture, child abuse, child death, and Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Thanks for joining us. Now let's grab yourself some pickled chip, dill pickled chips, and let's talk about a nightmare. Let's finish up this nightmare. Okay. First off, we want to tell you guys that we are so appreciative. We looked today and we had a couple of new places on our map and a couple of them were, uh, one of them was Washington and one was Massachusetts. So we are so excited. We are so thankful for you guys. If it wasn't for y'all, we would be nothing. Exactly. We really, and it just, it thrills us every time we hear about a new place or a new, uh, that we know we're getting a new listener of some kind. So Please continue and put that word out of, by word of mouth, and we are so excited about it. Yes. All right, so let's get into this. We are having a time this morning. <laughs> we are. Okay. Well, um, again, I just wanted to let everybody know this is a part two. So if you have not heard this before, if you didn't listen to it, go back. Stop here. Go back and listen to part one. You're going to want to know that because there's so much information in here about Garnet and Lacey. Um, it is just amazing at what this child has been through and what she puts him through. All right. We're going to pick back up. We'll go we'll give you a little bit of a background. And Garnet was born in December of 2008 to Lacey Spears um, in Decatur, Alabama. And his father was Chris Hill, who lived in the same apartment complex as she did. Now, um, Chris never had, even has never really even seen him or had any part of him uh, or anything. Lacey refused to let him have any goings on with him or anything. Well, um, she then moves... Uh, she starts out right off the bat, I mean, like two days after his discharge date, bringing him back to the hospital and starting things up with him and, and giving them really false things that are wrong with him. But uh, nobody was really, even though a couple of people had put in the notes, a couple of different doctors had put in the notes, something about Munchausen syndrome by proxy, nobody ever really went any further into it. And in 2010, she moves, she ups and moves to Clearwater, Florida to live with her grandmother. At this point in time, we're in June of, of 2011 and Peggy, the grandmother uh, and Lacey are beginning to have a lot of friction in their, uh, relationship. in their relationship. Yeah. Um, she's went, she has now said that uh, she's, against any kind of western medicine she doesn't want any kind of antibiotics she doesn't want any kind of medication for this baby and she's now going to go on a, a very strict vegan diet with him and no sugar no gluten no anything like that and this gets to where let's this has got to be that's hard where yeah it's got to be hard when they're living how can in you bake without Oh, keep going. <laughs> okay. You don't, you don't, I mean, you don't get to do any of those things. And she enjoyed taking him in and 
baking cookies with them and doing all those things that you do with a little one. And so she wasn't allowed to do any of that. And Lacey was getting to be very boisterous about this is my child and I'll do what I want with him. And so it was Have really you ever had a gluten-free cake. It's gross. Yeah, I am. I think they're getting better been, the more that goes along, but you really have yeah. to know how to do it. Well, it was it was quite a few years ago. I think it was like seven or eight years ago when I had it. And, you know, I've been told that I have a that I might have a gluten allergy because I break out sometimes on my arms and stuff. And they're like, yeah, you need to cut gluten. I'm like, mm, no, <laughs> I like my gluten. Then you're cutting out all the good stuff. All the good stuff. Yes. Yeah. So I feel for this kid. I don't even want to do it. <laughs> I'm an adult. Exactly. Right. So, you know, there's all this friction going on with them. Well, then around June the 1st, we find out that the Department of Children's Services got an anonymous phone call and turning in Lacey saying there was an inadequate supervision of Garnet. I have to give them props because the next day on June the 2nd, they do send somebody straight out to, uh, they take it seriously and they take, they send somebody out to investigate about this. When they got there, um, Lacey was not home. Peggy was there. So she calls Lacey and has her come back so that she can talk to the investigator. And when the social worker gets there and inter- when she gets there and the social worker gets a chance to interview her, she decides that, Lacey really does have a pretty good support system for a single mother and with this sick child, her mother, her grandmother helps out and, uh, and by all means, he looked fine. He was healthy looking. He had, um, he could speak well. He was well cared for. They didn't, they didn't find any reason to continue an investigation into this. It came out later that, the anonymous person who had reported Lacey actually hadn't seen Lacey in years and had never even met Garnet. So apparently this was somebody from... It was probably somebody from Facebook. Probably somebody off of Facebook or even somebody that had been on one of her... Because she has multiple Facebook pages and MySpace pages and things like that. So it could have been anyone from any one of those. And around this same time... It's like the next day after this interview with social services, she starts up another Facebook page and a blog that she calls Garnet's Journey. And all of her different Facebook accounts, she had different security settings on all of them. So like her family didn't even know about this new one. They weren't allowed on it and they didn't see anything about it. And um, so... At this point in time, she starts talking about Garnet's father and she calls him Daddy Blake. And that's not the daddy's name. That's not the daddy's name. And she also says that he's a police officer and that there she leads them to believe that they are engaged and that she's been with him for a long time. Oh, wow. That's nice to know. Yeah. So it's imaginary Blake. Got it. <laughs> yes. And she, the other friends that she knows of in Decatur, Alabama that are up there and the ones of them that see this are like, um, I don't know, Blake, she was with Chris and all this. So some of them start dropping off because they're like, this girl's just lying and they don't want to hear it anymore. Mm-hmm. But totally I get did it. get a chance and Garnet's journey, the blog is still up. Oh, really? Yeah. And I did get a chance to read some of these. And um, there, the entries that she makes are really wild. Especially when you, if you didn't know her story, I can see how you could fall for it. Mm. Um, she starts off with, in all of his talking about uh, all of his sicknesses and his illnesses. And she branches out into a bunch of other things that we'll go into in just a second. But in June, still here in June, he has more ear infections and she takes him to this Dr. Ho Zhang, which is the Chinese herbalist. 
mm-hmm. and uh, to start battling this infection. So she tells everybody now that whenever she gives him, she makes a big deal out of whenever she gives him anything in his feeding tube, it's always she puts a lot of greens and herbs and things like that in it to really uh, battle off any of these infections and things like now that. Does, now, does she actually? Well, um, I don't know. Is that from actual people stating that? This is her stating this. Okay. I don't yeah. know that she is really doing it because there's no confirmation of that anywhere. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Um, although we do know that she was seeing this this herbalist here in Florida. Okay. In July... In June, they had this anonymous call. In July, they get a CPS gets another anonymous complaint, and this time they're stating that Lacey is not seeking medical attention for her son. So again, this is probably off of Facebook because she's now said, "I'm against Western medicine," but everybody on there knows that he's been sick from birth. So they um, they had Lacey come into the CPS office. And they found that he was, that as a, a child of his age, he was small for his age and everything. But again, he was interactive with people. He had good speech and he appeared to be well taken care of. So the officer told Lacey to put him back on a proper diet. They wanted him off of that strict vegan diet. They thought he needed to be on a more well-balanced diet for a child and to take him to a pediatric doctor. And then in July of on July 16th, that complaint was closed because they found that they didn't think that there was any more intervention was necessary. But it did say that they expressed a concern over her lack of follow through with some of his medication and that strict vegan diet. Then when you go to August, they get another anonymous complaint, this time saying that Lacey wasn't following through with doctor's recommendations that G was losing weight and another investigation was started. I just wonder if this is the grandma. I don't know, but I feel like it's probably somebody off of Facebook because all of our Facebook posts and these things on this Garnet's journey blog are stating that he's losing weight. He's not eating. He's not doing all this. She's telling everybody this, but she's not taking him to a doctor. There's really She's only doing this uh, Chinese herbalist and this nutritionist that she's found. And so, and she's making it known to everybody that she doesn't believe in Western medicine. So she's not taking him, but she's been telling everybody for two and a half years that he is sick. (laughs) And all he's been is at doctors. Exactly. And now all of a sudden you want to just drop everything. That's a little hinky to people, you know? So, yeah, it's really, when you, some of these people are friends of hers, and I don't know, I followed blogs of of people that I still follow from the time they've had children, and you become invested in some of their things. Even though you don't know them, you do become invested in the lives of these children that you're reading up on and keeping involved in. Yeah, I know. You tell me all the time. Oh, so-and-so, their baby is doing this now. <laughs> I know, it is. I mean, you just, you, um, when you find somebody and you're watching or, or reading up on them and keeping up with them, they begin to feel like they're a part of your family or like they're friends of yours. Yeah. Well, so people are starting to turn her in. Well, this investigation was started again in August and... At that time, they said that Garnet was an intermediate risk because of his medical conditions and his age. But again, they closed it with no further recommendations and no uh, and no actions. Um, and at that time, Lacey was depending more and more on her nutritionist. And at that time, because she was a single mom and she wasn't working, all she was doing was getting assistance from the state for this disabled child. Uh, her nutritionist was allowing her to clean her home for her. And in turn, she was giving her advice. And the nutritionist's name is Mika. And she begins telling Mika, again, everything's got to go back to Lacey, that she was um, 
she was uh, had been raped by this family member and that she had had an abortion and things like that. In a state that doesn't do abortions. Yeah, I don't know if, I don't know, does Florida not do abortions? Uh, I don't know, but remember you were saying like, that was one one where she was in Alabama and she said that she had an abortion at a hospital that in, in Alabama that didn't do abortions. And so then she was like, oh, uh, no, I went to Florida. And I went to Florida. Oh, so now she's saying it was in Florida. So now she's in Florida telling this. She is in Florida telling this nutritionist that this family members raped her and I had to have an abortion. (laughs) Now remember, she lives with her grandmother. And the uncle that was... I wonder how that would work. Right. The uncle that was there has passed away in 2010. So who is... What family member is raping her? I don't know. My guess is she's going back to, to the Alabama... My guess is that, that she's saying one of them is visiting her or something because we found that she's telling, she had told a neighbor that one of them was calling her and having phone sex with her. And, you know, I mean, at that point you just why hang you, up. Why would you, why would you have phone sex with somebody if they were molesting you? That right. doesn't make sense. I know. None. A lot of this is crazy when you hear it. But I'm sure that when you're face-to-face and someone is telling you and they're so dramatic about it and all this is going on that you're just kind of taken back and don't know what to think. Yeah. So in September of 2011 on this Garnet's Journey page and on her Facebook page, she starts talking about how she's running six and eight miles every morning. And uh, Wow. You go, girl. (laughs) Right? If she's actually going. We don't know that for sure. Um, But she starts joining all these different Facebook groups and things like that, too. So she's branching out in her contacts with people. And she even joins one, a group for mothers who have lost children. And here she's met, she meets this Pam Hamilton who had just lost a child. And she and Pam seemed to make this connection to the point that even though they were only Facebook friends, they started calling each other and talking and, uh, and texting each other. And so she started, starts telling Pam about how she had been molested and that Garnet had spent two full years in the hospital which, I mean, a lot of his time was in the hospital, but it was never fully straight in the hospital like she was giving him. And she also tells her that she was a, that she's a nurse and that she's lost two children, a boy and a girl. Mm-hmm. Now, there is no proof of any of this. And also on some others, she starts telling people, she tells one friend that she's got a brain tumor, that she has Crohn's disease, and then she's got celiac disease, and um well the brain tumor makes sense (laughs) the brain tumor would make sense if it was true but again it's not (sighs) oh oh my goodness yeah this just sounds so much so much like somebody i know people that you know those people that just want to stack on their lies and they forget who they've told what to at this point. And I think it's starting to get like that with her. And she's joined all these Facebook uh, support groups, but she was also had all these support groups that she was going to in, uh, in person and seeing them. And at some of these, uh, she, as she's going around, she keeps talking to people, telling them how she wants another baby and Garnet wants a sister. And she's just, you know, she's single. She doesn't have time to date because, She's got this sick child, but she really wants to have another baby. And apparently one of the friends at one of these support groups that offers up her husband. <laughs> Here's a stud. Right. I got one. He I got do one. It. He'll do it for you. So, yeah, <laughs> so I'm, it is gross. And I can't, it's just hard to believe that someone would actually do that. 
Well, they do. Oh, so sorry. You need to get you a turkey baster and go find you some semen somewhere else. (laughs) They got doctors that'll do that for you. Go find you a homeless man. (laughs) Okay. Ew. (laughs) But. Hey, if you're really wanting one. If you're not, you're obviously not that picky because you're going to take anybody that offers you're not that picky. So, yeah, well, she did start having sex. It was said that she did start having sex with this lady's husband and the lady was okay with it at first. And then she started to get jealous. I mean, you know, that's what happens when you get these triangles that are going and. Someone gets a little too much attention than the other. Right. And, you know, every time Lacey comes to hang out, her and her husband are off having sex, and that's not fun. And what they end up, they do, the, the wife gets to be jealous, and they do say that there was like a, they had a three-way at one point, and Ugh. I know, so, gross. so nasty. So then, I mean, for me, anybody want. It's anybody's business what they want to do, but they had this threesome, but that finally ended the relationship between her and the friend because the friend just couldn't handle it anymore. So that ended it. And Lacey did not get pregnant during this whole. Thank goodness. Thank the good Lord above. But it's not going to be the last time that she tried either. Well, in December, Garnet turned three. Um, but then in January, she starts, picks it back up and starts talking about his ear infections have started back again. And when they, when finally taken to the doctor for it, they noticed those bilateral ear infections from when he was an infant. And those are rare. And for him to have a double one, it was a something they wanted to watch out for. Of course, they don't know what he had had as a baby because nobody's ever received his records. She's When she moves to a new place, she never has those records transferred. But at the end of January, she does get him uh, a new puppy, a little Dotson called Odie. And uh, this precious little three-year-old boy calls him Owie. That's so cute. That sounds like my little girl. Isn't it cute? And it's just, uh, it's just so sweet. And you know, you've got cats and you just know how she is with them. She calls one of the cats pizza. So yeah, <laughs> her name is Thea, Thea and Cookie. And she calls them pizza. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, you know how cute it is with them and how they form attachments with them. And that's what happens with this. This is like his little best friend. The reports yeah. that come later on, She's not very good to this puppy, and which is, I mean, had she been really good to the puppy? Well, she's not so good with her kid. Exactly. Why would she be better with the puppy? Right. If she'd been been good with the puppy, it'd be, I think, almost more disturbing. But since she's so rotten to this baby. Well, they, uh, in February now, Lacey and takes Garnet and they go to Orlando for four days to visit a friend that's there. And while they're there, this friend says, makes note of the fact that he has a bad toothache. This is a three-year-old. And he, when she gets back with him, she does finally take him to the dentist and the dentist is just appalled at how bad the decay is and everything in his mouth and she warns her she says look you he has got really bad hygiene you are gonna have to start taking care of this they get ready to put crowns on uh and everything at three years old i just i don't know it's hard for me to believe that it can be so bad he's supposed to be on a feeding tube and she's talking about this but so how does this decay in his mouth get so bad I don't know. Probably from all the... Well, no, he's not throwing up anymore. She's saying he's throwing up, but he can't throw up. He can't throw up. He hasn't been able to throw up since he was like... he can't throw up. Since like he was... A couple of weeks old? I want to say nine weeks old. Or a month. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So he can't throw up, so it's not from throwing up. Right. It's probably just from not 
Brushing his teeth. Not brushing his teeth, not taking care of it. And he has a pacifier, apparently, all the time. So, I guess... Yeah, I looked at the journey. Yeah. Apparently, eating and then just putting that pacifier in on his mouth and not brushing his teeth and doing all that does it. I don't know. But the dentist says he needs to have a fluoride treatment. And Lacey absolutely refuses. Says that she doesn't believe in that. And she talks about at points that she's a Mormon and she doesn't believe in that. When we've never heard that she's a Mormon before, but she brings it up whenever anything that helps her. She thinks can get her attention. Or get her out of a doctor's limelight, you know. Well, I'm not going to do that. We're not going to do any kind of um, vaccinations. He's not being vaccinated because that's against my religion. Yeah. Okay. It's a religion you're not a part of, but whatever. Got it. Yeah. Well, in March, when Lacey starts posting on um, Facebook and this blog, she's uh, he's having this, he's actually having horrible mouth pain still. But when she goes on, she starts talking about how what what great hygiene he's got. He's having this pain in his mouth, but there's no thrush, there's no decay. It's all great. Um, so then the next day, she announces that she's taken him to a a doctor and that he has a spinal disorder. That's what's causing the mouth pain. I have never heard of a spinal disorder hurting your mouth. I haven't either. Or tooth. Not not just the mouth, your tooth. Yes. I haven't either. I mean, if anybody else knows anything about that and knows differently, please let us know. Because yeah. I would really love to know that. And I don't know if she finds something online that leads her to believe this or if she just makes it up out of the blue. Because this girl be crazy. But well, she's just like those people who look at stuff online. They're like, oh, I have that. I right. do that all the time. <laughs> it's me. It's exactly. me. I do that. <laughs> and it's just about anybody. Like, I might have this. Yeah. It's just about anybody that goes on those sites that are like, they're, they give you such general um, things that everybody, you know, symptoms. general symptoms that everybody has. That everybody's like, oh my gosh, I've got it. I, I must be riddled with cancer. So anyway, she tells everybody that this was either from a fall or from his growth and she'll be taking him to a pediatric chiropractor who is going to help him. She's just crazy. And then not long after that, she takes, uh, Lacey takes Garnet and they go to Decatur and have an eight day visit with her parents and such as that. So she still travels with him, even though he is not supposedly not well. He's having these this pain in his mouth. Ends up eventually that he has to have these two front teeth pulled early on because of the decay. But she goes in to tell everybody on her Facebook and this Garnet's page that he um, he actually had to have them pulled because of uh, some kind of disease in his jaw and and having to do with the spinal disorder they had to pull him it wasn't anything to do with that she's not going to make anything look like it's her fault that she's not taking care of him although we all know now that she wasn't well when they get back after this visit um and he's had these teeth pulled and everything we we stop hearing quite so much about him there, but we do find she has been through some of these face these um, support groups that she's met this person and um, this one woman, and she's taking care of her children for her. And I believe that one of them is like a doctor, and one of them is anyway. It's two professional people, and she's help, helping them to take care of their children, and she's over there babysitting for her. And as they're talking, they find out, she finds out about this school that's in Chestnut Ridge in New York. It's called um, the Green Meadow Waldorf School. And on their website, 
they do say that what sets it apart from other Waldorf, Waldorf schools is that it sits up on a 140-acre campus that includes the Sunbridge Institute. It's a Waldorf Education Teacher Training Center for Adults. It has a natural food co-op, and it's a home for the elderly known as the Fellowship. And there is an emphasis on community among generations. This is a pretty elite school um, as all of the Waldorf schools, usually uh, it says that if you're in a Waldorf school, a lot of um, professors and colleges seek to to have them to bring them out because they're so well they have such a well-rounded education. So these Waldorf schools are really sought after, but they're also very um, hard to get into. You keep saying Waldorf, and it just reminds me of Harry Potter. <laughs> oh. It just I, sounds like Harry Potter. Does it? I don't know. I've never really watched. I don't know. That's just how I visioned it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this, head. this school that swoo all these things. It wasn't quite like that. It's more like a hippie commune almost, but they really fake, focus on the children and the education with them, and they include all the generations in it. And they're at this fellowship one. They have like a retirement home and everybody works towards taking care of these seniors as well. And they're real big in taking the children to help and working with them. And they and they garden and they do all kinds of things like that. So they have a really. Why in the heck would she try to go into that? Again, she is big into holistic medicine now. Everything is, she wants everything natural and nothing to do with the doctors or anything like that. So this, this particular uh, friend that she was babysitting for had told her about it, but Lacey got the little bug up her butt and starts researching it and going into it. And, uh, and she applies for it goes through the interview process with them and gets accepted. And it's Ooh. really in a short period of time. I mean, like her family knew nothing about it as she was doing this. And then she gets this, um, she gets accepted and she's just, she's ready to move to New York now. Um, in October of 2012, she just packed up and let, and, uh, gets ready to leave. I mean, within like a lot of her friends and her family only found out about it weeks before she moves. And coincidentally around this time, CPS was really getting more uh, involved and in wanting to uh, check up on him more and do things because they were, again, they were worried because he wasn't going to the doctor. He, the things that she was posting, the things that they were finding out, but she ups and leaves. And so all the CPS stuff stops. I don't think it's really a coincidence. Um, no, it seems like they were catching on to her. So she had to move away. So she's got to move. It seems like about every couple of years she moves with him. And everybody on Facebook was talking about, oh, Lacey, you're so brave to go off and do this as a single mother and to go thousands of miles away from your family and your support system. And um, so, you know, she's soaking this up. However, it's only about 14 months after she moves that Garnet dies. From April, um, we're going to jump ahead here because up there, still, things are going about the same. And most all of the stuff on her blog at this point is about Daddy Blake. And uh, how Daddy she kills Daddy Blake off. And she's talking about how um, it's her sorrow from this. And how we have to... Uh, yeah, it's been almost a year since he passed away and how we're doing and, and we're so sad and we're, you know, just yada, yada, yada. And how they have to go back for a, um, at one point she says they're going back to have um, a memorial service for him. And she talks about how her in-laws have came up to visit her and stocked her freezer and done all this. Stuff. Yeah. I so see the your imaginary husband <laughs> 
has imaginary <laughs> parents too. Wow. Yes. And they're really and they good to awesome. her. they are awesome. Right. They are really good to her. They come visit her in New York and visit this baby that, you know, his baby. And she talks about the other children that she's lost of his. And yeah. Wow. Blake was busy. <laughs> yeah. He was so busy. Blake was busy. Well, from April to November of 2013, we find out that Garnett was seen uh, multiple times by a pediatrician up there. Every time she went to visit this pediatrician, uh, he had told Lacey he wanted her to set up to call and set up a feeding evaluation for him because he thought that G-tube needed to be removed. He'd had it for too long and he didn't need it. He was eating foods by mouth. Again, she says, oh, well, he will eat, but he won't. Uh, he'll eat sometimes. Sometimes he eats okay. And then other days he just won't eat at all. I can't get him to eat at all. So she wants, so he wants him to have this feeding evaluation, which is basically they take him, put him in the hospital for a few days. The nurses and the doctors feed him and watch him and see how he's doing and evaluate whether or not he actually needs that G-tube. Well, amazingly enough, she never sets a, that up. But this same pediatrician, when she goes to him and complains about all the different things, and he says, well, maybe we need to do this, uh, this biopsy on him because it sounds like maybe he has celiac disease. And oh, she jumped on that, didn't she? She did. Well, apparently her father has had celiac disease all of her life. So she's aware of didn't some of the Did she say she had it too? She tells people that she has it. She does all of that. but. Crohn's disease, I think you find out by what you're eating with celiac disease, it actually has to be a biopsy. It's inside of the uh, the organs and they, they do a biopsy and that's how they find out for sure if you have celiac disease. So he suggests that maybe she needs to have this biopsy. Well, she jumps on that. Now, this is not a simple procedure. This is a little bit of a long drawn out biopsy here they have to put a scope up and go into his small intestines and do all that so it's a painful procedure they say and but the doctor says she jumped on that and they had that done immediately but she still he still couldn't get him get her to sign up for the feeding evaluation of course because there's nothing wrong with the kid right because again they did this biopsy and when they did the biopsy they found out he was perfectly healthy no celiac disease or anything so, again, she puts him through another invasive surgical procedure for something that he didn't even have. And she knew he didn't have it. So... No, she's making up his symptoms for it. Yeah. So, they go through a Christmas. She goes to Florida during December and visits her grandmother. And they have kind of a family Christmas. And she heads back up... Uh, and I kind of skipped over. In October, he started school there. He was starting his first uh, time at school. She wasn't real thrilled about it. And I think she pulled him out quite a bit. And after that, I'm sure it was really hard to let people know Wait. that he wasn't eating when she was sending stuff. Because at the school, they were saying, you really need to send him more. He wants more food than you're sending him. Can you please send him more? Yeah, well, she yeah. can't keep him sickly he's big, if he's doing that. He's a big eater, and it makes me it it makes me wonder what was she doing? Was she starving him? So when he gets somewhere where they'll actually feed him, he's just gobbling it up. I mean, anybody that has ever taken him anywhere talked about how, and you know, you have a three year old trying to get that child to eat. Oh, it's a pain. Even my, even my middle child, it's a pain. Right. <laughs> it's so hard. Trying to get them to eat. And these are children that are healthy and, and get fed whenever they want anything. And so it just makes me believe that she must have been starving him. So whenever he got a chance to eat, there's something in a person that, you know, you are, uh, you've been starving. So you want to eat and you'll overeat to try and hold on to food for later on mm -hmm. well 
that apparently is what he was doing because nobody ever complained about him not being able to eat except for Lacey. January the 7th of 2014, Lacey calls a friend and starts uh, and, and is telling her that you need to, she's in a panic state. She says, Garnet's having seizures. I need you to hurry up and get over here. Please bring the car so that I can, uh, I can take him to the hospital. He's having seizures again and it, it's terrible. I need, you know, and she's in this panic state. Well, this friend who has fell in love with this little boy <clears throat> rushes to another friend's house, gets a car, drives over there and she's waiting outside for her thinking she's going to run out with Garnet as soon as she sees her. She doesn't. She's honking her horn and nobody's coming. So she's worried. She gets out. She goes inside. When she gets inside, she sees Lacey is calm, walking around, putting a few things in a bag, things she's doing. And Garnet is on the couch. This poor baby is writhing in pain. And you know how they, he, his stomach hurts. He's rolling and, and uh, tossing and turning on the couch and everything. But she has him hooked up to his feeding bag. Now, the one thing that this friend does notice is that this in this bag is a like a milky substance. But again, Lacey's always telling everybody she gives him all these greens in there. And she noticed right away that this there was nothing green in this bag. It was just this milky white substance. So what that is. Yeah. So she just doesn't say anything, but you know, it what do you say to somebody? Right. I mean, it's their kid. Right. You're and you're kind of there think, for the ride. <laughs> you think that they're doing everything they can for them. But she does kind of think of it and thinks that it's odd. So they have to wait for him to finish this. Well, when they get ready to go, she get, gets up everything, puts him in his car seat, and she refuses to let the friend drive. No, I'm going to drive. She takes the friend home before she goes to the hospital. All of these things are odd to this friend. Well, she doesn't want her to tell her that she was feeding her, feeding him something right before coming. Exactly. She was trying to make him have a seizure, it sounds. Yes. So she takes him into the hospital and uh, when they get him and they see him, he's kind of lethargic. His eyes are kind of rolling in the back of his head. He's hurting. He's screaming. He's holding his head. He's doing all this stuff. So they do admit to him. They admit him right away. And um, they have a neurologist that comes in to look at him and they put him on this video EEG which it's basically a bunch of like, they put like these electrodes all over his head, put this cap on him to cover it. And they have a video that's right on the bed. And what they're doing, excuse me, is they're monitoring him for any kind of seizure activity. Well, the next day when the pediatric neurologist comes in, he doesn't think that, that Garnet is having any seizures. Um, so they, uh, and Garnet seems to be improving a little bit. So they even talk, the doctor even talks to him and says, we're going to leave him on this, but if everything goes okay and he's not having seizures, like I don't, I don't think he is, then we'll release him and he'll be, you know, and we can do some follow-up or whatever. Well, she's not going to take this. The next day, he takes a real turn for the worse. Now, again, remember, they have this video, and we see there are, in some of these articles, you'll find links to see this actual video of her. You see them, the video, he, her sitting on the bed watching him and carrying on. He, she gets up, takes him to the bathroom. And uh, so she has to pick him up because he's got all of this stuff attached to him. Now, he's been having... Uh, diarrhea and things like that and she picks him up she takes him to the bathroom it's assumed by all the nurses off of the video that she is taking him in there because of diarrhea or whatever then you see her cross in front of the bed go over she grabs a sweatshirt and some stuff and throws it over her arm and walks back 
into it, into the bathroom. Um, they, when she comes back out a few minutes later, when she comes back out and they're in the bed, you can see her sitting and just watching him as he progressively starts to get worse. He, uh, again, his, he starts, um, writhing in pain and twisting and turning and carrying on. Now, please try to remember he has, um, this child can't throw up. He's dry heaving. He's sick. And because of these surgical procedures that she's had done on him, he cannot throw up. Um, so he's, so it's just getting what stuck there. No, it's just in his, you know how, when your stomach hurts because you just need to throw up. And then when you throw up, yeah. eventually that feels a little bit better. You feel so much better. Right. Well, he can't throw up. So that pain is just there. And he's, you see oh, him. poor baby. I know. You see him tossing and turning. And he's grabbing his head. He has this headache, this massive headache from it. And I could cry just thinking about this. Um, then they start with some medications and with him and he starts to do a little bit better again and within just a few hours and during all this time when you see Lacey she's just watching him she's calm she's not panicked I mean I would be flipping out if my baby is on this bed screaming with its head hurting and all this and all she's doing is calling oh I would be screaming for a nurse she's calling the nurse but she's just calling them so they'll look at him and get something done, you know, do something for him. So then they give him a little bit of medication and he starts doing better, but he's a little bit lethargic. Well, it's been, I think it's like several uh, hours later than after he's doing a little bit better. Again, she picks him up, takes him to the bathroom. They see the same thing. She goes over, she gets something, she goes back. And again, not long after that, he starts to get bad again. Well, when one of the nurses comes in to look at him, she notices that his G-tube is open. And she says something, and Lacey's like, oh, and just closes the G-tube. Like, it's no big deal. They had not fed him in this with this G-tube at all in the hospital this time. And so... As Lacey is standing here watching him writhing in pain and screaming, his head is hurting and he's and all this going on. She's basically you just see her standing off to the side telling the nurse, oh, you need to check his sodium level. The last time he did this, his sodium level was really high. I am beyond words at this. They did indeed finally check his blood his blood sodium levels and it was at 182 what is normal do you know 138 it was 182 it was 182 now they had taken his they had taken his blood uh his sodium like five hours before it was 144 and now it has risen to 182 in five hour span Doctors have all agreed. Because she's given him something. Doctors have all agreed that that is an impossibility um, in that short of an amount of time. That yes, sodium levels can rise when you're throwing up or having explosive diarrhea or whatever. But he's only gotten up from the bed a couple of times. So he's not having enough diarrhea to constitute that much of a rise. And these are dangerous levels at this point. So they airlift him to. Westchester's Maria Ferry Children's Hospital. That's the only place in the area that has a pediatric ICU. So they fly him over there. In the days that follow, the next two to three days, they uh, they were trying to figure out, doctors were trying to figure out why his sodium levels rose like it did. But due to this sodium level increase, his brain swelled. And the brain swelled so much that um, ultimately it caused them to declare him as brain dead. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, There's something about you don't give them, you don't give them water and you don't do this right after this because it, 
it dehydrates and I don't know. There's a whole lot of different things in there, some in there, but uh, it, the brain is dehydrated and then you put it in there and uh, from all the salt intake and then you give them the water and you do this and it ends up swelling the brain real fast and it just can't handle it. So, and I did not know either that to declare someone brain dead takes 48 hours. And two different doctors have to do tests on them. So during these two, this 48 hour period of that, um, they begin to wonder about it and they do call the police because this is a fairly odd death. I mean, this is not a normal thing that happens. And in these last 24 hours of his life, she, um, they do turn it over to the police and they do an investigation. They ultimately decide that in those two periods where she goes out and takes him to the bathroom and comes out, she has a G tube and they think that she has salt and, uh, she's put salt and water and fed that to him straight into the G tube. That's the only thing that they can come up with that has, is why. Hence, the white substance that she was feeding him. Exactly. And 24 hours before he, he's declared brain dead on the 23rd um, of January. Prior to this, like on the 22nd, she calls that same friend that had taken her to the hospital to please go to my apartment and take this bag, uh, his feeding tube bag out uh, and, and throw it away. She yes, does. Well, of course, she wants to get rid of the evidence. Well, this woman who has never thought of any of this does not think anything about it. But it's less than 24 hours later that the police do a search on this apartment. We will have a picture to show on Instagram. And it is a picture of the, in there on her, uh, on like a little table there uh, or on the kitchen table, maybe even there's a container of salt and medications and things. And she has said all along that when she puts the greens in his uh, bag, that she adds a little bit of salt for flavoring. Okay, well. Yeah. Why you add salt for flavoring to anything that's going into a G-tube, it's bypassing your palate. There's no need for it. Why would you put anything like that in there? Straight nutrition, nothing else. Exactly. Why would you bother with salt? It's not good for for any of us, and it's especially not good for children. So to have too much. So, um, ultimately, they have decided that she—that's what she's doing during that. And when he got better, that first time ever, that five-hour period, he got a little bit better. He wasn't sick enough, so she took him back and did it again. And that caused his levels to rise so high, in fact, that it did indeed cause his, cause his brain death. Now, she was, we're going to skip through all this trial because it just goes back over what we've been talking about. Basically, what I got this from was a lot of this was from trial records. Um, she was convicted of second degree murder on March the 2nd of 2015. Thank goodness. Yes. Now, the interesting thing about this is her, um, her attorney and the state's attorney both agreed not to mention anything about Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Her attorney said they had her te- had a psychiatric evaluation before it started and that um, she had nothing wrong with her. So they didn't, they wanted to just say that it was something that the hospital did wrong. And that was their defense was that the hospital had done something wrong and that she didn't have any kind of a um, mental disorder. Mm, so negative for on that. So that, Hey, the state says that's fine with us because that would possibly knock it down and be able to call cause insanity or whatever. They don't want her to be able to plead on any of that. So they don't mention it as well. However, when the judge gets up there, he tells her he's going to give her leniency, something she never did for that child. And instead of giving her 25 years, he gives her 20 years. 
in jail. Now, I don't know why you would give this woman leniency at all, knowing what she's done to this poor child, because in his autopsy, he was completely healthy child except for this. So it was all her doing. There was nothing from the very beginning that had ever been wrong with him. So pretty much it started out as she would just tell the doctors things that was wrong with him. And now because it's not working anymore, she decided to use the salt to make something wrong with him. Once they had taken her phone and um, once the police had started all this, they took her phone. And when they found her phone, they um, in her phone, they had searches that she'd been searching about salt and what it would do and how it would cause seizures and things like that. So she'd been doing a lot of research on her phone and on her computer. They'd taken all of this when they did the search and they did not find that bag of food until afterwards, the lady who took it felt really guilty about it. When she found out that they were looking at her, she turns that over to the police. And, um, and they also, she kept it. She kept it. She didn't throw it away. She put it in a, like a black trash bag and, she wasn't sure what was going on. You know, that's just kind of a weird feeling that you get. That's, that's very weird that your friend would be like, hey, yeah, can you go into my house and just get that bag? My baby's dying, but if you could just go clean that up and take that bag off for me and throw it away. Nothing else. Yeah. Not like, hey, can you, you know, feed the dog? Right. Nothing. So she, yeah. So she had kept it and she did turn it over to them. Well, of course, the the defense wants to say that you can't look at that because it wasn't didn't go through the proper chains of um, tampered evidence, pretty much. Right. They couldn't be guaranteed that it wasn't tampered with while she had it and all that. But they did do a second search and found a second bag in the trash. And both of those were riddled with salt. And... Um, so oh my gosh, how much salt does it take to do this? I mean, I do not want to research this because I, don't know. I want nobody to come back at me. Right. But that's all, that's gotta be a lot of salt. It does. And I'm sure that this is what was happening early on. She was doing the same thing with him, um, in order for him. Trial by error. Yeah. In order for him, she's saying, you know, he, he's, he's in pain and he's hurting and he's doing all this. But she'd got it so high, and yet he had lived through it. So I don't know if she was actually setting out to kill him or if she was um, just looking for more attention and trying to get it. And this he died in error. Although a lot of people, they believe that, uh, and I believe the defense, the state came up with the fact that they believe she was trying to kill him because he was getting older and it was getting harder and harder to control him. She just wants to have another baby so that she can kind of start over and do all that. I mean, it's just a horrible, horrible situation. And again, like we said, the psychiatrist had said that she doesn't have anything wrong with her, but the judge did. And he quoted, he said, one does not have to be a psychiatrist to realize you suffer from Munchausen syndrome by proxy. But then again, I wonder, did she or was she just that evil? Because the psychiatrist had interviewed her and done this and that's, didn't have anything. That was my thought. That was my complete thought is that this is not Munchausen by proxy. This is just a very cruel and in. You just don't Very sane woman who just was plain evil. Right. I mean, I understand that there is Munchausen syndrome by proxy, but generally speaking, they don't kill their children. There are exceptions, and they do, but usually they kill them by an, an accident. So this could be, this could fall under that, but there are certain things that they look at that would make you believe that they are. And so I don't know, when a psychiatrist does this interview with you and meets with you over so much time after this has happened and they don't find you with Munchausen syndrome by proxy and enough that your, your defense attorney says, uh, no, she doesn't have it. We're not going to do not mention that in the trial and they don't mention it at all. And then for the judge to turn around and say, yeah, you've got it. And it doesn't take anybody else to realize that. 
And then he gives her leniency and drops five years off of her sentence. Mm, See, I would have put five more years on it. Right. And they say at the trial, and you can watch some of this and you can see the pictures of it. Even at her sentencing, she shows absolutely no remorse, no emotion, no nothing. Not even like sad that she's going to jail? No. She, there are a couple of points in the trial where they're talking about him and the things he does. And you can see her crying a little bit and wiping away some tears. But nothing near the emotion that I would still be going through. Because, again, he dies in 2014. And it's just 2015 when she's uh, when they and prosecute it- her and, and she's convicted. So it's really not. They didn't take long to, have, to be able to uh, convict her on this charge. It. This is such a disturbing case, and in general, it is a disturbing case. And in in it, one of the doctors talks about you know, people want to blame the doctor, and I get it. There were all along the way, there was a few of them that were saying she might have Munchausen syndrome by proxy. She might, you know, this is something we may need to look for. Well, then she moves and she doesn't take those records with her. She just tells everybody because she's taking a few nursing classes and she's she learns all this medical terminology she's searching all this stuff and she's doing all this that they don't get the records they just take her word for it and they said that in medical school they teach these pediatricians to take the word of the mother because babies are it's hard to judge what's going on with the baby so believe this mother who's talking to you and telling you these things And while I agree with that, to an extent, that works for a sane mother. Yes. But if you you take a look at the baby itself, you take the word of the mother. But when you do a test and you run some tests on this child and you're finding nothing, then do some research into this mother at this point. It's just I mean, this is not that long ago. So there's the Internet. There's all of this stuff. I would have been looking her up. Mm-mm, right. No. I'm sorry, but you can't leave right now. We're uh, we're going to, we got to look through the test just to make sure on stuff and then be in the back and doing my little FBI right. research. And we know from. In the office. When he was. A, what she is. Yes. And we know from when he was an infant in Alabama, they were taking her away from him for like 24 hour period to see how he was doing. And he was doing fine. And then they give him right back to her. And why were they not contacting CPS themselves? Why were the doctors not turning her in or the hospital not? Yeah, they should have been. I think that a lot of should have been a good investigation on this. Yes. A lot of people dropped the ball on this and that. And this poor baby paid the price. Exactly. This poor innocent child whom everybody loved and just, he was, just the sweetest thing and you see these pictures of him and he is just precious adorable and so adorable it is just heartbreaking heartbreaking it i don't know how else to describe it that again my um my heart just goes out to the family and her family still believes her and i do have a link that we're adding in there too there is an interview she's only done one interview and it's with dateline and she continually talks about how innocent she is and that she was just um doing everything that she could to take care of him but i just don't feel like the evidence proves that Mm -mm. nope definitely not yeah oh this is just so sad it is Bless this little baby. Yes. All right. right. So this ends our episode. Thank you for listening to Mama's Nightmare. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a five-star rating. Or, um, my thing went away. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so if <laughs> give us a five-star rating or a comment. We are on um, Podbean, Spotify, uh, Audible, 
Amazon Music and Samsung Podcast. We are still trying to get onto Apple and Google Podcasts, so bear with us while we try to get that set up. Uh, comment anything, even just one word. The words help us create an algorithm and helps us get our names out there. Okay. Now, a lot of these, it's hard to comment on some of these or hard to review. I do know that you can give, uh, you can do star ratings on Audible. Um, and Spotify, I think, now also allows you to uh, to give star ratings. Yeah. Also, hit subscribe or follow so you don't miss out on any of our next episodes. Next ep- next week's nightmare is going to be Alicia telling me about the kidnapping of Kara Robinson. We have a Facebook and Instagram at Mama's Nightmare Pod, and we'll be posting pictures from each episode on there. Also, if you have any suggestions on a case that you'd like us to cover, please email us at mamasnightmarepod at gmail.com. Until next week, this is Alicia and Rhonda. We hope you have nothing but sweet dreams. Goodbye.